Hey everybody, we are in Christmas time in the thick of it. It is Advent season at Valley Church. We're also calling this Christmas Awareness Month. There's Awareness Month for everything else. Let's bring our awareness to Christmas. This is a season that God has given to us as a church family to leverage this for our own worship, for our fellowship, for our uh, uh, community connections and to really leverage it to advance the kingdom of Jesus in our community. So uh, it is the season also of people to get together with family and also to communicate with friends and family. There's parties, there's uh, gatherings, there's meals, there's all sorts of amazing things. And we have greeting cards. Sometimes it's done on social media. Sometimes this is done in the mail. Yes, kids, snail mail people still get greeting cards in the mail. And so today I want to talk to you about that. And um, before we get into deep into Christmas greeting cards, I want to show you just a few. Uh, somebody wrote this, you know, Christmas is not about what's under the tree. It's about the dysfunctional family who is around it. And I got a kind of kick out of that. Here's a few people that got creative with their Christmas cards. Uh, Dear Santa, we can explain. They're in the prison lineup. I like that one. Here's one. Just look at each of the expressions on each of these people's faces in the Christmas card. I kind of like this one. Here's another one. Uh, yeah, this was a very creative. Uh, they presented themselves as cookies that were about to be, Christmas cookies that were about to be eaten. And then there's, I love this one, excited, engaged, expecting Emily. Uh, I love that Emily's single there. She just has a sense of humor with this, and I love it. Um, Christmas is a time to greet uh, family, to greet friends, and believe it or not, that's what we're going to talk about today. It's about greetings, Christmas greetings, all right? The Apostle Paul, uh, in the uh, letter that he wrote to the Colossian church, ends the letter with a bunch of greetings. Now, we're one week away from the end of this uh, letter, but, uh, but we're going to take today to look at his greetings. Now, this is the section that most of you just sk skim through very quickly. And you're like, I don't even know who these people are. Who's Tychicus, Aristarchus, Onesimus, these names I can't even pronounce, much less know about them. So why are we going to look at them? But actually, each one of these names has a story with them, which you're going to have to dig deeper yourself to discover all the depth of these stories, but we're going to touch on them briefly. There are eight uh, individuals that we're going to look at, and uh, sort of nine, and we're going to talk about eight people and eight principles uh, about friendship. Uh, guys, uh, as we meet up with each one of these eight people, we're going to discover principles of friendship so that we can become those kind of friends at Christmas time. But even more importantly, I think, for Christmas season is to appreciate people like this in your life and to tell them that you appreciate them, to actually greet them. And we're actually going to give you an opportunity to do that uh, if you're in person here at Valley Church, to actually send a greeting to a friend that lives out one of these traits in your life. So listen carefully to each one of these. Uh, and we learn that we don't go alone uh, in the Christian life. We're not following Jesus all by ourselves. We have a bunch of other people around us to support us. Everybody needs that. Uh, there's an old African proverb that says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And today I want to talk to you about the people that you go together with in your life, people who've helped you. Nobody who has any spiritual success, who, who thrives spiritually, relationally, 
who really follows Jesus through all the challenges and ups and downs of life, nobody does that all by themselves. We all have people in our lives who help us along the way. Uh, I mean, Moses, great, um, incredible leader in the Old Testament. He's got Aaron and her who literally lifted up his hands in the midst of a battle. We need people who lift us up. Uh, David, King David, he had that very close friend, a beloved brother, Jonathan. Uh, Naomi in the, uh, in the Old Testament has a faithful daughter-in-law named Ruth. And she's just this incredible uh, person uh, who, who, who walks with her through the difficulties of her life. Daniel, we all often think Daniel kind of did it all by himself in Babylon, but actually he had some friends with him. Maybe you know the names Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego. Hard names to say, but they made a difference in Daniel's life. And then even Jesus, of course, he had his close followers. He had his 12 disciples. He had uh, the closest of the disciples, Peter, James, and John. And at one point, Jesus says to them, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And he called them out and he spoke to them and he spent time with them and he named them. And he says, I, Jesus says, I call my sheep by name. I know each one of them. He calls you by name. And today, Paul names names, <laughs> but they're names of people that are great people in his life who've helped him along the way. And as we come to the, the end, toward the end of this mostly kind of truth letter, a lot of deep teachings, doctrines of the church, and a lot of practical stuff about living the Christian life, here we kind of end on a highly personal note uh, where you hear the apostle's heart here where you hear the people who've helped him through the many difficulties and challenges he went through. So first, uh, as we hear each of these eight friends, we're we're gonna be encouraged to become those kind of friends to the people around us. But then even more importantly, we're gonna be encouraged to message your friends. Text them, tell them you appreciate them, let them know they matter and that they've made a difference in your life. And even if you're here in person, you can literally write a message to them. We're gonna give you a greeting card to do that. So let's, there's gonna be a greeting card opportunity. Here it is, we're out in our atrium, are all sorts of greeting cards. Grab one and, and, and write a letter of appreciation, a note of appreciation to someone who's made a difference in your life. And as we go through these eight, you're gonna hit ones that you're like, that's the person I need to talk to. That's the person I need to message before Christmas. Get this done because our Christmas cards will be uh, obsolete in about two weeks. All right, here we go. Um, he starts off the, the, after this long letter, he comes now to his friends. He says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister or servant, and fellow servant in the Lord or slave in the Lord. He says, he'll tell you all the news about me. Paul's in prison, I think probably in Ephesus, although some people think it's in far off Rome. He says, I have sent Tychicus to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are. How are we doing? News from prison. And so that he may encourage your hearts. Principle is pretty simple. There's those friends, message your friends, tell them you appreciate them, and be these kind of friends who sacrificially serve and who encourage others. Be that kind of friend and message that kind of friend, all right? Let's talk, talk about this guy named Tychicus. 
most of you have no idea about Tychicus, and we really don't know him that much, but he is mentioned five times in the New Testament. And every time he's mentioned, very little is said about him, but you get the sense that he's always there to help out. He's there to serve. Put me in, whatever I can do to help you, Paul, I'm there for you. He shows up first in Acts chapter 20, uh, when Paul is uh, in Ephesus, there's a huge riot because Paul challenges the idolatry uh, and all the people and their idols that they made and were selling. And, he, and Paul challenges that. And there's a huge riot. And Tychicus is there with him through this riotous time and, and through these uh, dangers. And the officials, he got in trouble with the officials and he has to leave town. And so that's Tychicus. He's there with him along with others. Uh, he's also uh, a part of a seven-member team Paul goes to different churches where Tychicus was from. He was from Macedonia. And he, um, he takes him uh, uh, with him to go to take gifts to the Jerusalem church. So there are these Gentile churches, and they're going to bless the Jerusalem church who's in trouble. And guess who goes with him? Tychicus. But this it sounds like, oh, yeah, and they hopped on a plane. No, there were no planes. This was a very difficult and dangerous journey. I mean, this was a very long trip. Uh, over mountains and streams and bandits and gravel, dirt roads. I mean, just difficult travel for days and weeks at a time it would take to do this. But Tychicus was there. He just sacrificially served wherever he could. He was behind the scenes. He doesn't get a, a big name. You don't know about St. Tychicus, but he was big to Paul. He was amazing. Uh, and he was like a brother to him. He says he's a beloved brother. You got brothers like that. You got sisters like that who stick with you, who are like, they'll do anything for you. They're there. They show up. They serve. They help. Love those people. Faithful ministry. That's what they do. They just, they're not real flashy about it, but they're always there when the ministry needs to be done, whether it's formal or informal, they're there getting it done. And he says, and fellow servant. They just say, I'm here to serve. I don't need to be well known. I'm just here to serve. He says, I, I'm, 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 he's going to tell you uh, all the news about us so you may know how we are and though he may encourage our hearts. So what, it, what Tychicus actually does here is he is carrying the letter from Paul to the Colossians, which we know now as Colossians. He carries it to Colossae. So that's how much Paul depended on him. He says, I'm going to give you this letter. Would you take it to the Church of Colossae? So if you're reading the letter today, which you are, thank a guy named Tychicus, because he's the reason we have it. He got it there. He did it. He took the long journey and he got it to this church. We also learn it in other places. Don't have time to unpack all this. But not only did Tychicus have the letter to the Colossians, he had two other letters. He had the letter to Philemon, which you can read about uh, in, uh, in, your, in your Bible. It's an it's, it's unusual letter. I did a whole teaching on Wednesday night about this, about Paul's letter to Philemon, who was the me a member of the Colossian church. And we'll learn more about him in just a minute. Uh, it's the one letter in the New Testament that's written specifically to an individual. And Tychicus is carrying Colossians, and he's carrying Philemon, the letter to Philemon. And he's also carrying a third letter, Ephesians. So, wow, this guy was, I mean, did he trust him or not? He only, the only job he gave to him was to take Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon. Three of the books, the 27 books of the New Testament are on his person. 
That's a servant. That's uh, somebody who sacrificially serves and encourages others by bringing them news, the good news of Jesus and news from the Apostle Paul. You have people like that in your life? Tell them you appreciate them and be that kind of friend, okay? Here we go. He is coming, Tychicus is coming with Onesimus. Onesimus, he calls him a faithful and dearly loved brother who's one of you. He's from, he's from Colossae himself, Onesimus. How do you end up with Paul? Long story, you can read about it in the book of Philemon, but essentially Onesimus was a part of the household of Philemon. He was a servant or a slave to Philemon. And Philemon was likely a wealthy guy, church probably met in his home, but for whatever reason, Onesimus decides, I gotta get out of here, and he runs away. Now he's a fugitive. He is, he is criminal, actually, for, to do this under Roman law. And, um, and he somehow ends up meeting the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul not only had led Philemon to faith in Jesus, when he meets up Onesimus, either in Ephesus or in Rome, he leads this runaway servant or slave to faith in Jesus also. And now he's mentored him and discipled him, and he's become not a faithless, not a worthless guy, not a criminal. He's become what he calls him, a faithful and dearly loved brother. He's one of us. He's one of you. He, he asked Philemon in the letter to welcome him back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Um, but he says, Tychicus and Onesimus will tell you about everything here. They'll tell you about everything here. They're going to tell you about the prison I'm in. Um, here is our, uh, here's our weight room. We got it? It's, uh, yeah, this is the weight room. Uh, and, you know, it's, there, there's just, it's, it's not a pleasant place to be. But he's going to tell them how the gospel is advancing in the midst of difficulty. So go back to the verse. Here's the principle. Become a friend and especially appreciate and message your friend who have been, who, uh, somebody who's been transformed and now they're like family to you. They're not outsiders, they're not strangers. Maybe they've gone through some difficulties and they've got some spotty past, but they've come through it and they've really been changed. And you learn from Onesimus, God can change anybody. And he did. Is there somebody in your life that you've really seen life change in? Why don't you message them and say, you know what, you're a, you're a faithful person. You're a dearly loved brother or you're a dearly loved sister in Christ now. Um, the thing I love about this is Onesimus was most likely not Jewish. He was most likely Gentile. And in fact, the eight people we're going to learn, three of them are uh, Jewish and five of them are Gentiles because the church brings people together. In, in the, in the old, old ancient world, I mean, Jews and Gentiles did not associate with each other. They were separated. They, they didn't do much together. But in the church, God broke down that wall of hostility, he says, and he brought them together. And, and they're like family now. Uh, this is what the gospel does. It breaks down these points of, of, of uh, discrimination, uh, this, these points of prejudice, these practices of, of, of distancing each other. That's one of the reasons I love Valley Church. We see more and more of the diverse family of God coming together in worship. That's what we need to be, breaking down the barriers and building relationships of transformed people who are now family. Many years ago, Mahatma Gandhi from India, who was a Hindu, and he became the leader of modern India, um, actually began to explore Christianity. And we read about it in his autobiography. He really seriously 
thought about becoming a Christian. He read the teachings of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes, this is what is going to transform India. The gospel, the teachings of Jesus could actually transform our nation. And he was seriously considering becoming a Christian. And as he was doing that, one Sunday he decided he would visit a church as a Hindu. And he went into the church, and sadly he was met at the front of the church, and they said, this is uh, for Christians. Why don't you go worship with your own kind? And he was rejected. Gandhi later wrote, if Christians have caste differences, I might as well remain a Hindu. Here was somebody who seriously was exploring the Christian faith, but because they couldn't come together as family, he said, you're no different than Hinduism. You've got caste of your own. So that's why we come to people like Onesimus, who's been transformed and now they're family, and that's what we need to be. So message that person in your life who maybe they've gone through some tough times or maybe they've really been changed their character and they're now a brother or sister to you. Keep going. Aristarchus, not a familiar name to us. He says, my fellow prisoner. It might mean metaphorically like a prisoner for Jesus, like a, you know, slave for Christ or prisoner for Christ, but probably this is a literal. He's with him in prison. Um, and he, he's toughening it out with Paul. And um, we also meet up with him. And he also met up with Paul at the riot in Ephesus. He most likely sailed to Rome with Paul and with Luke. And they had the very difficult journey all the way to Rome, shipwreck and everything. Um, uh, Aristarchus was there for all those difficult times. Uh, he says, he sends you his greetings. So the greetings are from prison. Yeah, we got a picture of that. Yeah, here it is. Um, you know, there they are in prison, something like this. I wish you were here. <laughs> Come visit us. Door's always open. Well, actually, it's always shut, but you get the idea. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings. And here's the principle. principle. Be a, a friend and especially appreciate and message those friends who've suffered with you in the hard times. Who are those friends in your life that have stuck with you in the very difficult? Maybe through times when you've blown it. Maybe through times when you had a serious health crisis. Maybe when you were in, lost your job. Maybe when, when you went through a painful breakup or divorce. But they were there for you. They prayed for you. They stayed with you. Maybe they, they were willing to associate with you when nobody else was. They all fled and ran away. Lots of times that happened to the Apostle Paul. But not Aristarchus. He says... I'll be with you even if it means going to prison. That's an amazing friend. Um, we uh, learn from uh, church history that Aristarchus was martyred for his faith under the emperor Nero. So he was faithful all the way to death. Amazing man. You have friends like that who just stick with you in the hard times, suffered with you in the hard times. Don't forget them. This Christmas is a great time to tell those people you love them and appreciate them. Don't let this season pass without letting them know. All right, keep going. Um, by the way, uh, this whole message is really about friendship. And um, I almost entitled this message, A Little Help From My Friends. You know, um, being a, 
a, a child of the 60s and 70s. I grew up with the Beatles, right? And they had this album, a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. There it was. It's one of the greatest selling albums of all time. And on that, um, on that album was a song that the Fab Four led. And Ringo, who wasn't a very good singer, is actually, uh, he was okay, but he was really a drummer. And, uh, and he was the singer on this, on this song, A Little Help From My Friends. And he asked these words, what would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears, then I'll sing you a song and I'll try not to sing out a key. I get by with a little help from my friends. I'm gonna try with a little help from my friends. How do I feel at the end of the day? Are you sad because you're on your own? I tell, don't get sad anymore. I'm gonna get by with my friends. I need someone to love. All I need is someone knows just where I'm going, somebody who knows just what I need. I'm gonna make it with my friends. I'm gonna keep on trying. I get by with a little help from my friends. Are you someone who can be a friend like that? And will you tell your friends that you appreciate them? Even like Ringo started. Paul goes on with another friend. He says, Aristarchus sends you greetings, as does Mark. Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning he, whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. He might also visit Colossae, but he says hi for now, either from Ephesus or Rome. He may not be in prison with Paul, but he's loyal to him. He's sticking with him. And he has, Mark has an interesting story. Uh, the reason is you can read all about him in Acts uh, 14 and 15. Uh, on the, when Paul set out on his first missionary journey as the apostle, he takes along Barnabas. That's Paul and Barnabas. Actually, it's Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas was really the headliner. Paul was just getting started. But he also, they also had Barnabas's cousin, Mark, with them. And Mark's there, and he goes with them. But at one point along the journey, he bails on them. He, he leaves and returns to Jerusalem. We don't know why. We don't know if it was he didn't want to face persecution or hardship, or he just couldn't take the rigors of the travel, or if he was scared, or what happened, we don't know. But he bails and he goes back to mama in Jerusalem. All right? And eventually, Paul and Barnabas, they get ready, they get through that journey, they get back, and they're gonna have a second missionary journey, and Paul's ready to go. He says, hey, let's bring Silas. Barnabas says, hey, let's bring my cousin Mark. And Paul says, hang on a minute. He bailed on us last time. Uh, this is not a Holy Land tour. This is a rigorous, dangerous, possibly facing prison, riots, all sorts of difficulties in travel and, and hostile people. It's not for the faint of heart. And I don't, he, Paul just said, I, I really don't think, I don't know if Mark is really up for it. And eventually it says in Acts 15 that Paul and Barnabas actually had a disagreement over this and they decided, why don't we just, you know, agree to disagree. You go with Silas, Paul, and then Barnabas says, I'll take my cousin, um, I'll take my uh, cousin Mark with me. And so they did. And they were both blessed by this. And along the way, what happens, a great story of redemption and of reconciliation. Um, you know, Paul was a realist. He said, I know how hard this is. 
And Mark might not be up for it. Barnabas says, he's family to me. I'll help him, I'll mentor him, and I'll pour into him. Neither one was right or wrong. It was just, you know, Paul was a realist and, and Barnabas was failing. And he says, I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to take him. The beautiful thing is, is that eventually Paul, Barnabas, and uh, Mark are all reunited and, um, and Mark's ministering to the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. And later on, um, when he's writing his last letter of 2 Timothy, he says, please send Mark to me because he's useful to me. He's so much a blessing to me. So here's a story. Here's the principle. Um, become that friend and also message those friends who have made surprising comebacks. People that you thought, you know, I, I don't know if they're really going to hack it as a long-term follower of Jesus. Or maybe they're going to be, you know, they're going to continue in the Lord, but you know, they, they're, they're kind of weak or they, they wimp out or they chicken out or they abandon you or whatever. But somehow they come back. They make a big spiritual comeback. And maybe they come back into your life. You, you lost track of them for a long time, but now they're back and they're stronger than ever. And frankly, you might even be a little surprised they are. Could you just tell them this Christmas? I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so amazed at the transformation God has done in your life. And you know what? I'll even be honest. I wasn't so sure. But look at you. Look what's become of you. You're an amazing person now. Do you know how much that would lift up that person's heart if you would just message them who made the surprising comeback? Keep going. He says, Mark gives you greetings. Um, he's been a comfort to me. Really helped me out. Uh, and also, so another person who gives you greetings is Jesus. Jesus gives you greetings. And then he says, oh, he's called Justice. Because Jesus, Yeshua, or Joshua, is the Hebrew name. Justice is the Greek name. And you know why Justice was called, not why Jesus in this context was called Justice? Because everybody got confused because Jesus is like, you know, the Jesus. Capital J, Jesus. I mean, yeah. Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus was an extremely common Hebrew name. But obviously, it became a lot more prominent name in the church when, you know, Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, the Son of God. And people are still named Joshua in those days and still named Jesus and still to this day. But to distinguish the, the Jesus from this Jesus, they call him Justice. And he says, he says hello. He says hello. And he says, these alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God. He's talking about Jewish ones now. He says, there's some Gentiles who stuck with me, who can advance the kingdom of God, but really the only Jewish co-workers I have left are these three. Um, and so they're advancing the kingdom of God and they've been a comfort to me. Um, God bless those guys. Um, can you become that kind of friend who just is loyal? Here's the principle. They're, these friends are loyal and comforting. They, um, they're loyal to you in advancing the kingdom of God. When you want to see Jesus advance in your life, in the life of your family, they, they're, they're with you. And they also are comforting. The word here is, is to console or to, to, uh, to bring encouragement or comfort when you're down. Who do you call when you're down? 
Who is it that, you know, you can always depend on when you're depressed or discouraged or lonely? They're there for you. Tell them this Christmas season, aware of Christmas in the Christmas Awareness Month, that you really appreciate them. Would you tell that person, would you message them and would you say, I really just so appreciate you. Keep going. Epaphras, who's one of you, that's, uh, he's another Colossian. In fact, he's, he's very uh, much in the beginnings of the Colossian church. Uh, he's a servant of Christ, Jesus himself. He, he serves Jesus. Uh, he sends you greetings too. And then he says, I want to tell you something about this guy. Because he was one of these founding people, maybe the founder uh, of this church at Colossae. And uh, he says, I want to tell you about him. You don't see it, but I do. He's wrestling with, for you in his prayers. The word wrestling, we get the word agonize or agony. He is agonizing in prayer for you. I mean, Epaphras was this guy who took prayer like super seriously and he was thinking about his friends back in Colossae and it's like, are they hanging on? You know why he was praying for them? You know why he was agonizing? Because he know how he knew how difficult it was to be a follower of Jesus in Colossae. We've talked about all those challenges they've had, false teachers, alluring alternative spiritualities, all those temptations that were coming their way. There's all these people who are saying, you're nuts for believing this crucified Jewish carpenter, rabbi, and they were made fun of. They, he knew how hard it was to be a Christian in that kind of culture. You got friends like that? Some of you, it's your grandma. Some of you, it's your grandpa. Some of you, it's your friend you've known forever. It's a mentor from the past. Some of you, it's just some faithful person in the church or in your life group who just always asks you, how you doing? Always ask you, how can I pray for you? And then they don't just say they pray, they actually do pray. Those people are amazing. He's always agonizing for you in his prayers. And the reason he does this so that you can stand mature. You can stand strong for Jesus and that you grow up in your faith. You see the rough edges kind of sanded off and you grow in this Christian faith and you're fully assured in everything God wills. You're not uncertain. You know God's made a will and a plan for your life and you're hanging on to that. Those friends say, keep following Jesus. Stand assured in his promises. Don't let these cultural winds blow you off course. Keep following Jesus. You got friends like that? You got mentors like that? You got a grandparent, maybe your parent, maybe your mom, maybe your dad. They're just praying for you. You know they are. They may not even tell you, but you know they're praying for you. He says, for I testify him that he works hard for you. He's willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to agonize in prayer for you. And then he says, for those in Laodicea, which was a nearby church and city, and for those in Hierapolis, which is the big city of that area, Colossae was a small town. Here's the friend that you want to become and the friend you want to message this Christmas who are genuinely prayerful and unselfish. I notice a phrase, he, he prays, he's always wrestling for you in prayers, and then it says he's one of you, He's wrestling in prayer for you. He works hard for you, for those in those other places. It's not about him. It's not about Epaphras. It's about you. 
He cares about you. Get unselfish people in your life that just knock themselves out for you, who just spend long hours serving you, doing things for you, and they never ask for any credit, they just do it, and they pray for you. They pray for you. Are you wrestling in prayer for your friends? You know, are you worried about things about them? Well, Epaphras knew this. He goes, I'm not going to worry about you. I'm going to pray for you. Here's a great quote. Um, If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. I love that. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray, pray about. Not just for your issues that you're facing, but for your friends. And if you have friends who pray for you, message them, message them. Before we get to Christmas, message them. Um... He goes, Luke, the dearly loved physician. Luke was with Paul through so much. He's the only Gentile writer of any of the New Testament books, the Gospel of Luke. And he accompanied on Paul on so many, in so many places. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. In fact, as an eyewitness, he's writing the book of Acts. And he calls him here the beloved physician. And actually, this is the only place that we know that Luke is a doctor, because Paul happened to mention it here. Otherwise, we wouldn't even know he was a physician, but he was. But here's a guy who's a professional who could have just, you know, not been interested in the advance of the gospel. He uses his medical knowledge and so forth, but also his passion for the gospel. He brings those together and he serves uh, the gospel and he serves Paul in that way. I love Paul, the Apostle Paul, and I love the way he lived out his faith. You know, he, he, was a, he was one who could work miracles. Paul could. He, was a, he, he could heal people. But he also had his own personal physician. So it's not either or, pray for healing or see a doctor. It's both. <laughs> and that's what Luke was for the Apostle Paul. Love that guy. Here's the principle. Uh, become that friend and also message, write, text that friend who advances the kingdom, they live out Jesus' life without wavering. I mean, they've, they've faced all sorts of difficulties and challenges, but they're like rock solid. You can count on them. They, they're always dependable. They're always following Jesus. I remember when I was in seminary, and uh, David Larson, Professor David Larson, uh, was former pastor, became a pastor of preaching and pastoring at at Trinity, the great school that I was able to graduate from. And uh, I remember on one occasion he was talking to uh, future pastors and he said to the pastor, to the future wannabe pastors in the room, he says, I want to tell you something. Statistically, if you're like all the other people in ministry who go through seminary, statistically speaking, one out of six of you will retire still in ministry. Five of six of you will never, will not make it. And at the time I thought, that's not, that's, that's 18% of us? Are you kidding me? But you know, after almost 40 years of pastoring, I think it's pretty close. It might be one out of five, but it's, it's probably one out of six. I think of all my classmates and one out of six are still in ministry, vocational ministry. It's hard, and a lot of people drop out, but not Luke. The name appears clearly, dearly loved physician, and Demas sends you greetings. Um, 
Interesting and sad story here. Demas appears in the greetings. He appears in another place in the greetings. But then later on, at the end of, of Paul's ministry, in 2 Timothy, he writes, Demas abandoned me because he loved this present world. Demas walked away. Demas did not persevere. And there's tons of people just walk away from, from the church, walk away from the gospel, walk away from Jesus. But if you have friends who don't do that, who lifelong following Jesus, advancing the kingdom, and unwavering their friendship, not only to you, but to Jesus Christ, tell them you appreciate them. And finally, a last uh, greeting we get, and we'll finish up this letter next weekend. But he says, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea, that was a nearby church, and to Nympha and the church in her home. So Nympha evidently was probably a wealthy woman. And there are many prominent women in the New Testament, and oftentimes women of some means, business leaders, civic leaders, uh, in official capacities, uh, in government uh, places. And they were wealthy and blessed, and they often would host the church in their homes um, because they had the means and the capacity and the heart to open up um, their homes to the gospel, which sounds like, oh, well, yeah, they were rich people, and they just opened up their homes. No, no, it, it took some guts to do that because you're, you're in a minority faith movement. You're one of those people now if you open up your home. So Nympha is this courageous Christian woman. She's a leader at this church in Laodicea. She actually hosts the church in her home, um, and she makes a difference. That's an amazing woman of God here. So thank God and become those people, become those kind of friends, and message those friends who bless many lives through their hospitality and through generosity. These things are, are so underrated. Hospitality, the word hospitality in the scriptures means to be a lover of strangers. That means you're constantly welcoming new people into your life. It doesn't mean just you know, weird people that you meet out in the streets or something. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm talking about just people you don't know and you're welcoming them into your life. You welcome them to meals. You welcome them. There's all sorts of ways to do hospitality. It's not just your home, but there's many different ways to do it. And then the generosity of it. I mean, they just give their lives away. She says, this home doesn't belong to me. This home belongs to Jesus. My success doesn't belong to me. I belong to Jesus. So whatever I can do to generously welcome other people to my life and to generously sacrifice to advance the cause of Jesus in this world, I'm all in. And by the way, we're coming to the end of our uh, calendar year here, and it is a great opportunity to live out the nymph of life here and just be generous and hospitable and, and, and be very generous to advance the kingdom of Jesus. You can be that person. But if there are people in your life who've been generous to advance the kingdom, who've been generous to bless your life and many other people's lives, who've been hospitable, hospitable who took people in, who welcomed them. Maybe they came, you came as a stranger to the life group and they said, you're welcome here. And they've made you feel like this is, you're, you're in. You're not just an outsider, you're an insider now. If there's anybody that in your life at any time, even if it was many years ago, let them know, message them this Christmas. We, there's two friends of mine I wanna to mention today. This is me along with Pastor John Glad and Pastor Linton Lundeen. 
We took this picture a few years ago on a nice day in November when the weather was beautiful. And I went back to this photo. And I want to tell you about these guys. And I wanted to invite you in person to our campus this weekend, because on Sunday morning, we're going to have a reception, especially for these guys. Um, we're going to have a reception because um, 2023 marks, put on your seatbelt here, marks 30 years that we have been together, serving the Lord together here at Valley Church. 30 years, the three of us. I call it 30 times three. Together we have not just 90, but actually 94 years of ministry combined at Valley Church. When I was here, I was a solo pastor, church planter, my first two years, 1990, 1991. And praise God, in 1992, God sent me a man who not only was an incredible servant, but whose name also rhymed with mine, Quentin, then Linton. And Linton's been here for 31 years. He served with many hats. He's a, he leads up our care and counseling. He's been a, a, a counselor and a mentor and encouragement and a friend to thousands of people. He's led countless people to faith in Jesus. And he's been my friend. He's been an incredible, loyal friend. I just want to honor him today. And then Pastor John Glad, he came the next year, 1993. This is John's 30th anniversary at Valley Church. He's the newcomer to this team of three decades. And um, Pastor John is our executive pastor. He also has more, worn many different hats. He started out here as the youth pastor. Uh, and he gradually moved into adult ministries. And now he leads up our Catalyst team, which supports all the, the, the practical ministries of our church. And, uh, and he really is this executive pastor who puts into motion so many of the things that are dreamed up by the rest of our leadership. And he has been a right-hand guy to me, an amazing colleague. And they've both been so incredibly loyal. They both deserve huge uh, trophies because they put up with me for 30 years. Can you imagine? And I want to tell you today, um, as I go through these greetings, I can't help but say, if I were writing this letter, I would definitely, these are two of the guys that I would include in my letter, my Christmas greetings, because I'm telling you, these guys have been amazing. And uh, we're very different people. We have very different personalities. And, um, you know, we, we've had our disagreements. Uh, in fact, uh, a few years ago, we, we gave a message together called Perfectly Imperfect Friendship. And the subtitle was how we kept from killing one another for all these years. And, but we're together. We love each other. We are brothers. And I give thanks to God for these two men who have faithfully walked alongside me and alongside thousands of you to advance the kingdom of God in Des Moines, Iowa. I can't say enough about them, but I hope that this Christmas season you will make it a point, especially to tell Pastor Linton Lundeen and Pastor John Glad how much you appreciate them. Uh, I asked our uh, free church president, Kevin Complin, if he knew of any other church in America who had uh, three guys together for 30 years. He said, I don't know another church in America that has two guys together for 30 years, much less three guys together. And in fact, I don't know any other church in the world that has that. And there may be there out there, but we don't know about them. So we're blessed, blessed by the presence of these two amazing brothers. Um, so tell them your, your, your love and your appreciation. I want to 
just encourage you this Christmas season to make it a point to message your friends and to tell them you appreciate them. You can get them a gift if you want to, but I'm telling you, the words that you wrote, just like these words that Paul wrote, they'll probably remember those far beyond whatever gift you might give to them. Father in heaven, thank you for the cross. It is the cross of Jesus that brings us all together. That's why we're transformed, because we've been born again to a living hope. It is your blood that makes us blood brothers and blood sisters in Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that this Christmas season we will truly appreciate each other deeply and love each other deeply and let each other know it. So whatever you do to, to nudge someone today to just message that friend, I pray that they'll do that. And then help all of us to be those kind of friends that we've read about today. Help us to not be satisfied by being lukewarm or temporary or undependable friends but faithful, beloved friends in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, and everybody agreed and said, amen. And I appreciate you, my beloved friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. Merry Christmas.